Chapter Eight of Agnes Sorrel by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. Great silence pervaded the palace of the Duke of Orleans, or at least that part of it in which Jean Charost's rooms were situated during the rest of the day. He thought he heard, indeed, about half an hour after he had left the maître d'hôtel, some distant sounds in the same building, and the blast of a trumpet. But whether the latter noise proceeded from the streets or from the outer court, he could not tell. Everything was still, however, in the corridor hard by. No one was heard passing towards the apartments of the Duke, and the young man was somewhat anxious in regard to the Prince's long delay. What were to be his occupations, what was expected of him, he knew not, and although he was desirous of purchasing another horse, in accordance with the hint given him by Signor Lomellini, the maître d'hôtel, he did not like to venture out, lest his royal employer should arrive and require his presence. The unpacking and arrangement of his baggage afforded him some occupation, and when that was completed he took out a book, a rare treasure possessed by few in those days, and continued to read till the crooked letters of the copyist's hand began to fade upon the vellum as early night approached he was just closing the page when there was a tap at the door and a short slight young man presented himself some four or five-and-twenty years of age but not much taller than a youth of fourteen or fifteen he was dressed very plainly in a suit of grey cloth and the light was not sufficient to show much more but everything he had on seemed to have a gay and jaunty air and his cap even when he held it in his hand exhibited a sort of obliquity of direction which showed it to be impossible ever to keep it straight upon his head there was no need of asking his name or business for both were related in the fewest possible words before he had been an instant in the room i am martin gris he said and i have come to be hired by your lordship then i suppose you take it for granted that i will hire you said jean charost with a smile signor lemolini sent me replied the young man in a confident tone he sent you to see if you suited me replied jean charost of course replied the young man don't i jean charost laughed i cannot say he answered you must first tell me what you can do everything replied the other jean charost mused thinking to himself that a person who could do everything was exactly the one to suit him in a situation in which he did not know what to do he answered however still half meditating then i think my good friend martin you are just the man for me thank you lordship replied martin grille without waiting for any addition to the sentence but before jean charost could put in a single proviso or ask another question the door opened and by aid of the light from the window in the corridor behind it the young gentleman saw a tall dark figure entering the room the features he could not distinguish but there was something in the air and carriage of the newcomer which made him instantly rise from his seat and the moment after the voice of the duke of orleans said what in darkness my young friend my people have not taken proper care of you who is that the question applied to martin grille who was retreating out of the room as fast as his feet could carry him and jean charost replied placing a chair for the duke 
merely a servant your highness whom i have been engaging an appendage which coming from humbler dwellings i had forgotten to provide myself with till i was here ah these people these people said the duke so they have forced a servant upon you already though there are varlets enough in this house to do double the work that is provided for them however perhaps it is as well but i will see to these affairs of yours for the future take no such step without consulting me and do so freely for jacques coeur has interested me in you and i look upon it that he has rather committed you to my charge than placed you in my service come hither with me into a place where there is more light heaven knows my thoughts are dark enough thus saying he turned to the door and jean charost followed him along the corridor till they reached what had been pointed out as his toilet-chamber at the entrance of which stood two of the duke's attendants who threw open the door at his approach followed by jean charost he passed silently between them into a large and well-lighted room and seating himself fell into a deep fit of thought which lasted for several minutes at length he raised his head and looked up into the young man's face for a moment or two without speaking but then said i cannot to-night i wished to give you information and directions as to your conduct and occupations here but my mind is very heavy and i can only deal with weighty things come to me to-morrow after mass and you shall have some hints that may be serviceable to you at present sit down at that table and draw me up a paper somewhat similar to that which i dictated this morning but more at large the terms of accommodation have been accepted as to general principles but several particulars require explanation you will find the notes there in that paper lying before you see if you can put them in form without reference to me jean charost seated himself and took up the pen but on perusing the notes he found his task somewhat difficult had it been merely a letter on mercantile business to some citizen of genoa or amalfi that he was called upon to write the matter would have been easy but when it was a formal proposal addressed to the high and mighty prince john duke of burgundy he found himself more than once greatly puzzled twice he looked up toward the duke of orleans but the duke remained in profound thought with his arms crossed upon his chest and his eyes bent upon a distant spot on the floor and jean charost wrote on striving to do his best but not certain whether he was right or wrong for more than half an hour the young man continued writing and then said in a low voice it is done your highness the duke started and held out his hand for the paper which he read carefully twice over it seemed to please him for he nodded his head to his young companion with a smile saying very well better than i expected but you must change that word and that choose me something more forcible say impossible rather than difficult and positively rather than probably on these points there must be no doubts left then make me a fair copy it shall go this very night jean charost resumed his seat and executed this task also to the full satisfaction of the duke of orleans when all was complete and the letter sealed and addressed the duke rang the little clochette or silver bell upon his table and one of the attendants immediately entered to him he gave the epistle with directions for its transmission by a proper officer and the man departed in silence for a moment or two the duke remained without speaking 
but gazing in the face of jean charost as if considering something he saw there attentively and at length he said to himself ay it is well get your cloak monsieur de bracy he continued i wish you to go a few steps with me bring sword and dagger with you there take a light as there is none in your chamber the young secretary hurried away and in two minutes returned to the duke's door but the attendant would not suffer him to enter till he had knocked and asked permission when admitted he found the duke equipped for going forth his whole person enveloped in a large plain mantle and his head covered with a chaperon or hood which concealed the greater part of his face now follow me he said and passing the attendant to whom he gave some orders in a low voice he led the way through that corridor and another then descended a flight of steps and issued out by a small door into the gardens taking his way between two rows of trees he made direct for the opposite wall opened a door in it with a key which he carried with him and in a moment after jean charost found himself in a narrow street along which a number of persons were passing keep close said the duke of orleans after he had closed the door and then advancing with a quick pace between the wall and the houses opposite he led the way direct into the rue saint antoine the night was clear and bright though exceedingly cold and the parisian world were all abroad in the streets but the duke and his young companion passed unnoticed in the crowd at length they reached the gate of that large building at which the young secretary had seen the man apply for admission on the preceding night and there the duke stopped and rang the same bell a wicket door was immediately opened by a man in the habit of a monk with a lantern in his hand and the duke slightly lifting his cornet or chaperon passed in without speaking followed by his young secretary taking his way across a long stone-paved court to the main building he entered a large vestibule where a light was burning and in which was found an old man busily engaged in painting with rich hues of blue and pink and gold the capital letters in a large vellum book to him the duke spoke for a moment or two in a low tone and the monk immediately took a lantern and led the way into the interior of the monastery which was much more silent and quiet than such abodes were usually supposed to be at the end of the second passage the little party issued forth upon a long cloister forming one side of a quadrangle and separated from the central court by an open screen of elaborately carved stonework here the old monk turned and gave a sidelong glance at jean charost lifting his lantern a little as if to see him more distinctly and the duke of orleans seeming to take this as a hint paused for an instant saying wait for me here monsieur de bracy i will not be long he then walked on and jean charost was left to perambulate the cloister in solitude and nearly in darkness the stars indeed were out and the rising moon was pouring her silvery rays upon the upper story on the opposite side of the quadrangle peeping in at the quaint old windows and illuminating the rich tracery of stone there seemed something solemn and yet fanciful in the picture she displayed the young shadows of the tall fine pillars and their infinitely varied capitals the spouts sticking out in strange forms of beasts and dragons the heads of angels and devils in various angles and at the ends of corbels with the fine fretwork of some tall arches at one corner of the court 
gave ample materials for the imagination to work with at her will while the general aspect of the whole was gloomy if not actually sad the mass of buildings around and the distance of that remote quadrangle from the street deadened the noises of the great city so that nothing was heard for some time but an indistinct murmur like the softened roar of the sea in the building itself all was still as death till the slow footfall of a sandal was heard approaching from the side at which the duke of orleans had disappeared a moment or two after the old monk came back with a lantern and paused to speak a few words with the young man from the world without it is a bitter cold night my son he said and the duke tells me he has come hither with you alone he risks too much in these evil times methinks i trust not replied jean charost a good prince should have nothing to fear in the streets of his brother's capital all men have enemies either within or without replied the monk and no man can be called good till he is in heaven have you been long with the duke my son he says you are his secretary i have been in his highness's service but a few hours replied jean charost he trusts you mightily answered his ancient companion you should be grateful for his great confidence i am so indeed father replied jean charost but i owe his confidence to the kind recommendations of another rather than to any merits of my own modestly answered for one so young replied the monk methinks you have not been long in courts my son they tell me that modesty is soon lost there as well as truth i trust that i shall lose neither there replied jean charost or i would soon betake myself afar from such bad influence i do not hold that anything a court could give would repay a man for loss of honesty well i know little of courts answered the old man and perhaps there is scandal in the tales they tell but one thing is certain it is very cold and i will betake me to my books again good night my son and he walked on jean charost began again to pace and repace the cloister fancying but not quite sure that he heard the murmur of voices down the passage through which the monk had taken his way shortly after he saw a tall grey figure flit across the moonlight which had now reached to the grass in the centre of the quadrangle it was lost almost as soon as seen and no sound of steps met the young man's ear he saw it distinctly however and yet there was a sort of superstitious awe came over him as if the being he beheld were not of the same nature with himself he walked on in the same direction which it seemed to have taken but ere he reached the corner of the quadrangle he saw another figure come forth from one of the passages which branched off from the cloister and easily recognized the walk and bearing of the duke of orleans but suddenly that grey figure came between him and the duke and a deep-toned hollow voice was heard to say bad man repent while you have yet time your days are numbered the last grains of sand shall shake in the hour-glass the moon will not change thrice and find you among the living the duke seemed to stagger back and jean charost darted onward but before he reached the spot the stranger was gone follow him not follow him not cried the duke of orleans catching the arm of his young secretary who was impulsively hurrying in pursuit of the man who had put forth what seemed to his ears a daring threat against the brother of his king follow him not but come hither 
and taking jean charost's arm he pursued his way through the long passages of the monastery to the vestibule where sat the old monk busily illuminating his manuscript till they reached that room the duke uttered not a word except his brief injunction not to follow but there he seated himself upon a bench with a face very pale and beckoning up the old man spoke to him for several moments in a low tone of voice i really cannot tell said the monk aloud we have no such brother as you describe no one has passed here he must have passed you methinks replied jean charost unable to resist he came from the passage down which you went the moment after you had left me and i fancy i heard him speak with you not so my son not so replied the monk eagerly i saw no one but yourself and spoke with no one the duke of orleans sat and mused for a few moments but then raised himself to his full height and threw back his shoulders as if casting off a weight and taking the arm of jean charost quitted the convent merely saying this is very strange they soon reached the small postern gate in the garden wall and entered the precincts of the palace but as they were approaching the building itself the duke paused for a moment saying to his young companion not a word of this strange occurrence to any one sup in your own room and be with me to-morrow at the hour i named his tone was somewhat stern and jean charost made no reply thinking however that he was very likely to go without his supper as he had no one to send for it but when he entered his room he found matters considerably changed probably in consequence of some orders which the duke had given as they were going out a sconce was lighted on the wall and a cresset lamp hung from the ceiling by an iron chain directly over the table a large fire of logs was blazing on the hearth and a moment or two after an inferior servant entered to ask if he had any commands your own varlet sir will be here to-morrow he said and in the meantime i have his highness's commands to attend upon you jean charost contented himself with ordering some supper to be brought to him and asking some questions in regard to the hours and customs of the household and after all his wants had been attended to he retired to rest without quitting his own room again judging that the duke's command to sup there had been given as a sort of precaution against any indiscretion upon his part and implied a desire that he should not mingle with the general household that night he knew not what the hour was and it could not have been very late but there was nothing to keep him awake except a memory of the strange events of the day and the light heart of youth soon shakes off such impressions so that he slept readily and well. End of chapter 8